You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to the book of 1 Peter. We are in a series working our way through this entire book. And man, I'm excited about uh, what God is going to do in your life. I hope you bring your Bibles, you take some notes, and you're diving into your small group this week, uh, unpacking it as well. And uh, you probably saw some bulldozers and some dirt being moved and some things knocked down next door. So we're excited about that as well, seeing some progress and excited for, for what God is going to do in the coming days. Um, so we're going to start in verse 13 today, but as you're turning there, have you ever failed to prepare for something? And, and, and have you ever kind of showed up for work, forgot to prepare for something, and then that feeling in your stomach like, oh my gosh, I forgot. You know, maybe you're a student, you showed up to class and you had a test or you had a quiz you forgot to prepare for and there's just this overwhelming sinking feeling in your mind, in your stomach and you're like, oh my gosh, we didn't prepare, we're going to fail, we're going to mess up, we're not going to make the sale, whatever it is, you just forgot to prepare. Well, that's a terrible, terrible feeling when you realize you did not prepare. Uh, An example of that in our family uh, was uh, a little while ago, we were doing a really bad job as as parents, just my wife and I, with preparing our kids for for school the next day. And so the mornings for us were were filled with tension and and, uh, and just frustration. And and look, I'm sure your mornings aren't like that at all. I mean, I'm sure there are warm smiles of sunshine, you know, at your family and you're drinking cups of coffee and peace and quiet prayer groups are happening before school. Well, for our family, it was like World War III. I felt like a Navy SEAL on the battlefield. Like, you need to get your lunch ready. You need to get your homework together and you you haven't even gotten ready yet go get ready I am ready really really is it Halloween because it looks like you're dressed up as a crackhead go to your bedroom go to the bathroom brush your hair brush your teeth you know and 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 it was just it it was just not good for us during that season and so uh, one one fateful morning it was yet again filled with tension and and uh, frustration and uh, my wife teaches, and so she was taking them to school, and uh, they get all the way to school. They get out of the car. They're walking into the building, right? So, they're, so, so it takes them that long. They're halfway to the building to where my son realizes, he says, Mom, where's my shoes? My wife turns around to her despair and realizes that he showed up to school with no shoes on. As she started to weep and cry, uh, it was that week that we were nominated as the worst parents of the year. And so we knew after that event, like, look, we have got to change what we're doing. What we're doing is not working well. We need to prepare our kids, ourselves better for school. And so everything really changed. Like, you know, the, 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 the getting ready for bed the night before all changed. It happened much earlier than what we had been doing. You know, clothes were picked out. You know, shoes were picked out and laid out because, you know, forget about homework. Let's just make sure our kids have clothes on when they go to school. I mean, that's the priority, right? And so, you know, lunches uh, were packed at night and put it in the fridge. Bags were packed. Homework was checked off, you know, before dinner because we've all been here as parents, right? No, I don't have any homework. And then you wake up on the way to school. Oh, I forgot I have homework. And you're like, you know, and so 
All of that began to get done, clothes out, foods ready, everything. Literally, all you have to do now in the morning is like wake up and put on everything that you've already prepared and, and, and then walk out the door. I don't care if you brush your teeth. I don't care if you eat. We just get it all, you know, and we're out the door. And so mornings have been so much better after, you know, preparing better. Now, this is true in life. It's really a principle. If you aren't you know, thinking through a, a, a preparation. If you're not preparing yourself for the day, then chances are you're gonna have some tension. If you're not preparing for the meeting, then the meeting's not gonna go so well. If you're not preparing well for the sale, chances are you're not going to make the sale. If you're not preparing for the test, students, like chances are you're not gonna do so hot on the test. And so this is true in all facets of life, especially in our spiritual life. If we are not preparing ourselves to live for Jesus, to serve Jesus, if we're not preparing for our future home in heaven, chances are we aren't doing it. And so as we look at our text today, our scripture is going to encourage us to in fact prepare to live for Jesus. Living for Jesus means that every day, You know, we're preparing our mind, we're preparing our thoughts, we're preparing our body to faithfully serve the Lord. And if you're taking notes, the main idea for today is this. Preparing to live with Jesus allows you today to live for Jesus. Does that make sense? So I really want to unpack today this truth that Preparing to live with Jesus in the future. We're, we're going to be with him in heaven as believers. And so as I'm preparing to live with him, that allows me to live for him today. And so if you're not preparing yourself to live with him, chances are you're not living for him today. And so we want to prepare better. Let's look at our text today, beginning in verse 13. He says, therefore... Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile. All right, let's just leave your Bible open. We're going to come back to verse 18 in just a moment. But let's just start with the first word here, therefore. Anytime you see that word therefore, it's referring back to what he had just spoke about. And so we remember last week that that we, we learned that in fact we are chosen that God has secured our future in heaven. He has secured our salvation. He has secured our inheritance as a follower of Christ. And, and, and not only that, but there is purpose in our pain. Now, as I'm watching the room here, there are some folks looking for a seat. So if you guys could just kind of scoot in to your aisle, if there's some room, and there's always room up front, by the way. That always seems to happen. Uh, just in case. Hey, matter of fact, just as a side note, at Foothills Church, we serve each other by sitting in the middle anyway. So if you're like the person that comes and camps out on the end, like we want to help you love Jesus and other people more by sitting in the middle. And that way, when the people that hit snooze a few times show up, 
like then they have seats and so that's okay I'm a, I'm a snooze hitter as well so back to the scripture so therefore because of our security because we know that when we face pain when we face suffering there is purpose behind that pain like he says because of that we should act differently because of that our lifestyle is different because of that we we live a different way our behavior is different and so he goes into a list of things that I want to talk about today he says first and foremost to prepare your mind for action so here it is like we have to prepare our mind for action you've got to prepare today to live for Jesus not just today not just tomorrow but this year next year and really for eternity as you prepare your mind you are thinking and I am thinking clearly and I'm thinking deeply about the things of God so what I think about I'm, I'm focused on and so our focus has to change what I'm daydreaming daydreaming about has to begin to change my my focus and thoughts are are clearly focused on serving the Lord if you're not thinking with a biblical perspective then chances are you're not really you know, living for the Lord today because every decision we make, everything that we listen to, we watch, the people that if you're single, you date, the, the, the things that you do with your time, all of the things that we do in life, we are making these decisions as a believer through the gospel. So that's the lens that we make these decisions. We don't just, you know, it's, it's who we vote for, it's who we follow, it's, it's all of these things are flowing through what we know to be true in God's word. And if we're not thinking in that way, chances are we're making some bad decisions. And so he says, I want you to prepare for action. In other words, think about it. Think and prepare yourself to do that. And he, he, he says next to do that with a sober mind. So with a sober mind, that means that we're thinking clearly about something. And so we're avoiding any mind-numbing drugs, anything that would cause us to numb our pain or, 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 or to intoxicate us. We've all, maybe, you know, you've intoxicated yourself from drugs or alcohol and you've made some really, really dumb decisions. And so we avoid that and, and we, we stay true to this uh, concept that we are committed to sober thinking, to right living by, by clearly thinking with a sober mind. And so he says, prepare you're thinking, think clearly. And he, he says next to do this by setting your hope on God's grace. He says, I want you to do this. So, so set your hope. And so that, that's again about my thoughts. I am thinking about, I am, I am setting my hope, what I think about, what I hope for on the grace that will be brought to me at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so when is that day? The revelation of Jesus Christ is when we see him face to face. As a believer, when we are in heaven. So, so he says, set your hope on that grace that you're going to be with him in heaven forever as a believer. And so we're setting our thinking on that hope. That is our mindset. So let me ask you today, what is your hope set on? What is your hope set on? For so many people, you know, you, maybe it's you today, like your hope is set on your finances and that's what you hope for, that's what you're thinking about. Maybe your hope is, is that your kids are gonna be successful and that's all, you know, great and good, but, but there's a point to where you begin to worship your kids. You begin to worship the, the dream that you have 
for your children. You, wanna, you, don't, you don't want to elevate your dream for your children above what God's plan is for your children. Your dream might be, you know, go to the NFL or be a millionaire, but God's dream may be go live in Africa in a mud hut and teach people about the gospel. And so I, I, I want to be mindful that, that my hopes and my dreams aren't elevated over God's plan for my children. And so, so we, we come with a sober mind. We set our hope on Jesus and our future with him. Whenever your hope is on hopeless things, you'll live a hopeless life. It makes sense, right? If you're hoping in hopeless things, you're going to live a hopeless life. And so... That's why some of you walk in here today and you're discouraged and you don't have hope because you're living your life for the next paycheck. You're living your life for the next vacation or the next you know, game or the next experience. And so you're constantly filling yourself up with earthly things and then you, you realize you run out of gas really quickly. And then when you're alone or when it's quiet and you begin to reflect, that pain starts to happen again. It's like all of a sudden I got to numb that again. And so I got to go back to the activity or back to spending money or, or back to the drug. And so, you know, that fills our hope. And so the scripture would cause us to set our hope on Jesus. In verse 17, he says, throughout your time as an exile, another translation, the NASB uh, translate that, translates that word exile as sojourner. And so that term, sojourner or exile, is used in the Old Testament to indicate those who do not have the right to citizenship, but they have a temporary foreign resident of an area. And so here, he's saying that as a Christian in this world, you are a foreign resident. You're a foreigner. You're an alien. You're an exile. You're a sojourner on this earth. You are not meant to live here forever. We are here today, but we are gone tomorrow. And so as a believer, we understand that our focus, our mind must be on eternity. Last week I said focus comes when we lose focus on earth and gain focus on eternity. So we are thinking all throughout this series on focusing our mind and our attitude. It starts with that understanding. And then today, this is where I hope we kind of take another step and realizing that preparing to live with Jesus allows me to live for him today. So I'm having an internal, an eternal perspective here, knowing that my future is with him. Hebrews 13, 14 says, for here we have no lasting city. Here on this earth, we have no lasting city. But we seek the city that is to come. And the city that is to come is paradise with Jesus forever. So as an exile, as an alien on this earth, we realize we're here for a short season. We will be living in eternity with Jesus as a believer. So we, I, I've preached a sermon in, in a long time ago called uh, Everybody Lives Forever Somewhere. And everybody in here will live forever somewhere. We're here for a short time. If by faith you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you will live forever with him in paradise. If you have not by faith received Christ into your life today, you will live forever in a place called hell. And so we have that earthly perspective. We want to know that we're here for a short season. Now, how many of you guys like to camp? Any campers in the room? A few campers? I like to camp. Um, but for me, I don't like to camp for very long. You know, you're, are you feeling me? Like when we camp, we don't have like a, a, a souped up 
like camper, like some of you guys, you're watching satellite TV. I don't call that camping, by the way. That's just like a hotel on wheels. But like when I camp, it's in the Smokies, in the mountains, I'm in a hammock or I'm in a tent. And so real camping to me is in a tent. And so we used to do that with our kids until they really started hating bugs. And so we stopped. But, you know, when you're there, you know, it's so exciting and fun for me to go camping. And when you're tent camping, you have that mentality that, you know, you know, we're going to do the s'mores, we're going to do the fire, you know, we're going to cook the food and we're going to be in a tent. It's going to be fun. And so you get there and you set it all up. And before you know it, your fingers are sticky with all the marshmallow and then all the mosquitoes come out and you're like smacking your leg and spraying yourself. And, and then it starts to rain. And you're like, what in the world are we doing here? Like, I can't wait to go home, right? There, there's, there's a point when you tent camp where the thermorex just isn't working anymore, you know, and it's uncomfortable and you smell like a fire and you're just ready to go home, right? You're ready to get back into the warm bed. Hallelujah, air conditioning is going to be at home. You know, there's no bugs and it's, a, it's just a much better experience, right? But when you go with the mentality of somebody who is only here for a short time, you, you live and your attitude is different, Right? Because the, the smell of the fire is like, yeah, we smell really bad, but we're tent camping. It's part of it. Yeah, we're sticky, and man, it's like we, we have all these like wet wipes everywhere. We never use wet wipes, but like when we camp, we have wet wipes. But we're not going to do that forever. It's for a short season. All this bug spray, and I'm sure this deed is not healthy for us, but we're going to use it because it's only for a short season, right? So you go through all of these. Why? Because your perspective and your mentality is, we're only here for a night, a couple days, or maybe a week at most. Any, any longer than a week, we call those people homeless, right? <laughs> if you are not camping for more than a week, you're crazy if you do. That's just my opinion. But so, so here's the deal. Like some of you are living this life as if this is your home forever. So you souped up the camper. You've invested all this money in making this experience the best experience. And as you invest money and as you invest time and energy into making what you think is going to fulfill you or to give you happiness, you have lost complete focus on your eternal home. And perhaps if that is your focus, your eternal home is not with Jesus, but it's separated from him. And so that's why this conversation and this scripture is so important for us. Because we want to view life like we're tent camping, <laughs> Like we're here for a short season and that's why when, when we experience the pain, when we experience some of the suffering in life, the bad smells, the bugs, whatever you want to say, as a Christian, we can say that there are some great things about this life. I, I love serving the Lord here, but I can't wait to get home. I long for the city that is to come. And if I'm living my life with the mentality that I'm going to live with Jesus forever, then that changes my decisions and my perspective today. It allows me to live for him today. He says, set your hope on the grace that God will reveal to you. In other words, I will not live for him today if I'm not planning on living with him and have hope to be with him in eternity. So we've got to change that perspective. And in uh, verse 14, he says, we do this by becoming an obedient child. 
If you're a parent, you want obedient kids, don't you? Like first time obedience. We always like that. We, you know, do this and boom, they hop up and they go. And we want to do that. When they don't do that, we're frustrated and we get angry with them and we discipline and all those kinds of things. Now, God is our heavenly father, if you're a believer today. And so he expects obedience. And when we're not obedient, there are consequences, just, just like what we would want to give to our children. And so he says the evidence of this person who is living for Jesus, who set his mind on the hope that we will be with Jesus, with a sober mind, preparing our mind and our thinking, is that they are an obedient son or an obedient daughter. And then he says, not only this, but there's evidence there that they are not conformed to the world. So he says in verse 14, do not be conformed. In other words, don't live and act like the world. Don't be conformed to the passions, he says, of your ignorant previous behavior. Before Christ, you had an ignorant pattern of behavior. And as a believer, you're always going to be tempted to go back to that ignorance. You know, maybe you're, you're a recovering addict, you're recovering from some whatever you know, sin that you had and, and a certain smell will bring you back to that mentality. A certain thing that you watch on TV or a song will remind you of that and you'll be tempted again. And it's like, don't let your mind go back to that ignorance. That ignorance leads to death. That ignorance leads to bondage. And he says, don't go back to that. Don't be conformed to that pattern, but be transformed. Paul says in Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2, I'm just going to read verse 2, put that up there on the screen, guys. It says, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Don't, don't be conformed to the world. In other words, don't look like the world, don't act like the world. Be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. I might say, by preparing your mind to live for Jesus. We have a problem with this because we don't, like to stand out, do we? We don't want to be different. You know, the, the, the people that stood out at school were made fun of. People that stand out at work oftentimes don't get the promotion. You know, they don't get invited to the party. And so we're uh, afraid of standing out. And so we're, we're easy to conform and just to kind of fit in and just kind of fit the mold. And scripture teaches us not to conform not to be like that, to be different, to be set apart. In fact, the Bible says here in verses 15 and 16 to imitate God's holiness. God's holiness means that he is set apart. Now God is perfectly pure and good. Everything that God does is pure and good. He is completely set apart and he calls us to be holy like him. In other words, he wants us to be set apart. He wants us to act differently and, 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 and the world should see this difference. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. And so we realize that, look, we're, we live this life and we're not afraid to be called a Christian. We're not afraid to be called a believer. We're not afraid to, to act a certain way, to be against certain things, to be for other things. Why? Because we're not ashamed of the gospel and we're okay with standing out. We're okay with being different. Why? Because we're living for Jesus by preparing ourselves to live with him. And so that preparation, that mindset, helps us and, and, and allows us to seek a holy life. And then look at verse 17 again. He says to do this with fear throughout this time. Do this with fear. Fear of what? I would say a couple of things I think it might allude to or point to, but essentially it might be the fear that you might conform 
So, so don't conform and be holy and have a fear that you might conform. So, so that keeps you focused and, and on point because we know at, at any moment we might fall back into our old patterns of ignorance. It might be a fear that, that we might mock the blood of Jesus. He's gonna talk about the precious blood of Jesus here in a minute. And so, so fear living your life in such a way that you don't think the blood of Jesus is that big a deal. That you think your deal is a bigger deal than Jesus' deal. That you think your business deal or, or, or your future goals are more important than what Jesus has done for you on the cross. So, so live with that fear, that awe that God will, will judge. That, that, that God is the one who has the power to send men to heaven or to hell. We don't fear persecution. We fear the one who is in control. And so there's that healthy awe and healthy fear there. Uh, John Piper, pastor I respect greatly, um, used an illustration uh, on this subject one time when he said that he was invited to a friend's house uh, from the church and he took his son over to eat dinner and uh, when they opened the door, on the, uh, right when he opened the door, this huge German shepherd dog was there. Now, if you've ever seen one of these dogs up close, very intimidating, especially those that are, that are the larger dogs. And so, uh, of course, his son at that time was around 10 years old, very kind of initially, you know, intimidated when they, they first saw that. And like every dog owner, he's like, oh, don't worry. He's a great dog. He's not going to bother you, which I never believe, by the way. I was bit by a wiener dog as a kid, so I... <clears throat> Not, I point to my nose because he bit me right on the nose. He's not going to hurt you. Oh, it's your butt. Boom, right down the nose. Not a good day. So I don't listen to uh, dog owners. But anyway, so, so John realized he forgot something in the car. And so he asked his son to go get the whatever it was out of the car. And so he throws the keys to his son. His son starts running to the car. And when he takes off running, that big German shepherd and that huge rah, rah, starts barking and chasing after his son. And as soon as the dog takes off after his son, the dog owner says, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Don't run. He doesn't like it when people run away from him. And Pastor John took that concept to this concept and said, you know what? The reality is God doesn't like it when his people run away from him. And so some of you are running away from God. You've, you've, you've been fighting against God's will in your life. And there should be a respect and an awe and a fear of a holy God who doesn't like it when his children run away from him. And so the mentality there is, okay, okay, okay. If I'm preparing to live with Jesus, I'm going to live for him today. And so, so my perspective changes. I'm going to think with a clear mind, a sober mind. I want to live with this awe of God. And so I want to run to Jesus, not away from Jesus. I'm running away from the one that gives me hope. I'm running away from the one that, that gives me freedom. I'm running away from this joy that only comes in Jesus. And I'm running to sin that only leads to bondage and only leads to unhappiness. And so we realize that, that, okay, I've got to turn to Jesus and run to him because in him is freedom and power and joy. But the Christian life requires preparation. It requires deep thinking to prepare our mind to serve the Lord. It requires discipline to stay focused on God's path and, and not drift back into those old patterns. As soon as you apologize for getting angry at home, you know, for the one millionth time, you're going to do something, experience something that's going to cause that anger again, and you're going to be tempted to lash out 
again. And so it takes discipline. This is why small groups are so important in the life of a believer. It keeps us sharp. It keeps us focused. It keeps us on point for the direction that God wants us to live and and how he wants us to lead. Some of us today need to run to Jesus. I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that in just a minute. Because some of you, I believe, maybe you were invited here by a friend. So you're new to church. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. Maybe you've been to our church for, for you know, a few weeks. And, and you, every time you're here, you just kind of experience something that you can't explain. It's like, it's like you, you, you can't wait to get here. And it's like you feel something. And that something is the Holy Spirit moving inside of you. And so as you're here today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to make that decision and, and by faith receive Christ today. Preparing to live for Jesus allows you to live for Jesus. Let's look at verses 18 and following. In verse 18, it says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. So knowing that you were ransomed. Now, that word ransom means to buy back. We use the word redeem sometimes, and that just simply means to buy something back, to buy it out of slavery into freedom. And this time, the the people would have been very familiar with this understanding because if you could not pay your bills, you didn't pull out the plastic credit card and swipe the card and, 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 and move on with life or go get a loan from a bank. Essentially, if you could not pay your bills at whatever point they decided, you became a bondservant, a slave of that company or that person. And so they took everything from you, sold it, got whatever money, whatever you had left, you served until you actually earned enough money to pay it back, which never really happened. Or unless you had a family member or a friend come and buy your freedom. And in that term, you were redeemed or you were ransomed back. And so that's what he says here. As a believer, when we by faith receive Christ, he ransoms us. He redeems us. He buys us back from slavery, a debt that we could not pay ourselves. And he does this not with silver or gold. You can't buy salvation. You can't buy heaven. You can't earn heaven. He says this happened through the precious blood of Christ. Now you use the word precious only when you are talking about something that you, you value highly, you know. It's a, it's a precious baby, you know. And ladies, you use this word, oh, it's such a precious little baby girl or baby boy. Why? Because this is something that you hold very dear to you. It, it is something that you hold in, in, in high esteem. And so this is the blood of Jesus that we look at and we hold in high esteem. It is the precious blood of Jesus that bought your freedom, that bought your salvation. It was nothing that you did. It was nothing that you could earn. It was a complete act of God. And he says it was, it was through Christ who was a lamb without blemish or spot. So he lived a perfect life, which made him the perfect sacrifice. Jesus never sinned. He's called a lamb here, which would uh, immediately help them think about the Passover celebration. Remember the Old Testament story of the Israelites are in bondage in Egypt. Several plagues happened. The final plague was the death angel. And, and Moses told the people, God told Moses, Moses told the people, look, the death angel is coming to kill the firstborn son of every family unless you sacrifice a lamb 
and you paint the doorpost of your house with the lamb's blood. And so, so when that was done on the doorpost of the house, on the sides and on the top, then the death angel came that night and passed over every house that did that. And in, in a sense, God's judgment was passing over the people. And so this is the, the idea of the Lamb of God coming and through his sacrifice, giving us a way for God's judgment to pass over us. And, and then ultimately, we, we come to even the New Testament, uh, where we see here that the Day of Atonement was celebrated as well. And in the Day of Atonement, they would, they would again kill an animal, and that uh, animal's blood would be placed in a cup, and the, the priest would walk into the temple in the Holy of Holies. That was the center of the temple. And inside the center of the temple was where the presence of God was. And so this was different than what it is now, like after the cross, the Holy Spirit lives within us. But at this time, the actual presence of God was in the Holy of Holies. The priest would walk in with the sacrificial blood, and he would sprinkle that blood on what was called the mercy seat. And that would cover the sins of the people. And that was their way to experience that covering or that passing over of their sin uh, from the Lord. Now, ultimately, after Jesus, as believers, we celebrate this sprinkling of blood in the Lord's Supper when we remember that the death of Jesus was required. His blood spilling was required for the payment for our sin to be satisfied and for us to be bought back. He was a lamb without blemish. He lived a perfect life. Let's continue. It says in verse 20 that he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. He says that he was foreknown. That means that God didn't just predict that Jesus was going to come. God didn't just predict, uh, predict that Jesus was going to die on the cross. God foreordained the sending of his son, the living of a holy and sinless life, and God ordained the death of Jesus on the cross. It was God's idea as payment for our sin. And so he says he's without blemish. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world and all this took place for my sake, for your sake. It says, who through him are believers in God, raised him from the dead and gave him glory. See, our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the Lord and our faith is in him because of this sacrifice. And so when we accept him by faith into our life, we have the promise of heaven forever but we also have the promise of fullness of life today. Let's continue, verse 21. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. We use the word regeneration in the church world and and that's kind of an unusual world, but this is what he's referring to in verse 27 when he says, having purified 
your souls. You can't purify your soul. You can't make yourself holy. You can't earn it and you can't, you, you, you can't make yourself purified. This purification comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. He regenerates you. In other words, he gives you a new, new birth. All your old sin, all your, your past sins are forgiven. It's hard for us to accept that because we still have shame and guilt for these things. But this is what faith is. We, we have faith that we have re, been regenerated, that God has given us this new birth. And it doesn't come from my effort and my work. It is a complete act of God. But he does say here, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. So what does that mean? Obedience is the evidence that we have been purified. An obedient life to the commands of scripture is evidence that you and I have faith in Jesus Christ. We're preparing to live with him, so we're living for him today. One of my fears in East Tennessee, especially in this area, is that there's a lot of good old boys, you know? There's a lot of good old boys around here that they just seem to be good guys and, and good gals. But without faith in Jesus Christ, the reality is they'll spend an eternity in hell. Because it's not a mere knowledge of who Jesus is that saves you. It's not an understanding that, yeah, I believe in God and, you know, I'm for God and country and evolution is bad and abortion is bad and so I vote this way. That's not what Christianity is. Like the only way we have a purified soul is by the regenerating work of the Holy Spirit. We see this evidence through our obedience to God's truth. If you're not, if you look at your life and, and you're not obeying God, if there's not evidence that you are serving the Lord today, then I would take a very close look at what you think your faith is in today. He says another evidence of this purified soul is that you and I have a brotherly love. We are loving one another earnestly from this pure heart. When God purifies our heart from sin, we have the ability to love others. We have the ability to deny self and to put others' needs before our own. And so this is what the church is. It's when we gather corporately to serve and love one another in the name of Jesus. We learn about him, we worship him, we gather together to confess sin, we gather together to be encouraged and to spur one another on. We gather to hear the word of God and that obedience and that lifestyle allows us to have a brotherly love for one another. Now, I mean, what does the world know us for? John 13, Jesus said, the world's gonna know you by your love for one another. But what does the world know our church for? What does the world know the church at large for? My fear is that it's not because we love one another. Because when they look at us, that, that sometimes the mentality is, oh man, how they condemn one another. Oh, how they laugh at their hypocrisy with one another. Oh, how they criticize one another. And so for us, we want to be a church that gets this. That, that fights against the temptation to criticize each other and to backbite each other and to create this unity amongst our church. But we rally around the cry of brotherly love. And it's through that change, it's through that mentality that we serve and love with a pure heart. He says in verse 23 that you and I, that born again, that new nature, that brand new birth comes to us not from a perishable seed from a man, but from an imperishable seed that's given to us through our heavenly father. He's the one that planted us before the foundations 
of the world. So that's how we know it's imperishable. That's how we know we have a future. We're, we're, we're not home yet. We're in exile. We're tent camping. We long for a city. And that city is to come. Uh, last week, you're, if you've got a preschooler, we did a project with them. We planted some grass seed. And uh, you were supposed to take that home and, and give it some water and give it some sunlight. And some of you probably threw it in the trash. That's okay, but hang with me. Some of you did it, and it's sitting on your little, you know, window seal, and, and maybe it's starting to grow. But, you know, when you plant a seed, sometimes our, our mentality is that, well, the seed's got to come to life so that this plant can grow. But, you know, the reality, you know, of, of planting a seed is that you need that seed to die. And when that seed dies and it, become, it begins to decompose, then and only then can it bring forth growth. Can it, can it bring forth life from that plant? And in the same way, Jesus had to die to bring us life. You had to die to self to bring forth life in the Spirit. And so as you continue to water that project and as you begin to you know, see some grass grow, the hope there is that it's a fun project for your kids, but, but when we decided to do that weeks ago, my mentality was that it would be for you as parents to realize this last passage of Scripture that, that you and I are like the grass. We grow and we're here, but then we're going to fade away. Our time here is short. Just like the flowers in your garden, you know, they might still have some, some pretty color on them today, but I, I'm, I can smell fall, can't you? I feel it in the evening. I feel it in the morning. It's going to be here any day now. We've got a couple of more weeks, and then all of those flower petals will fall. You see, the reality is we're here for a short season. The only thing that remains is the word of the Lord. And my hope and my encouragement for you today is to begin to prepare to live with Jesus. Because if you're preparing to live with him forever, then and only then will you begin to live for him today. Let me ask you to bow your heads and just want to do some work here this morning. Let the Spirit begin to guide our hearts. If you've if you got to go somewhere, man, just chill for a minute. Let's not leave. Let's let God's Spirit work today because I, I feel and sense that there are some, some folks in the room that, that need Jesus. You've been running from Him. You're not living in obedience you're not preparing to live for him. You don't think about him. You're not thinking about living for him. And, and because of that, you're not prepared to live for him today. After everything that we've said today, and maybe you've been coming here for weeks, but for whatever reasons, you realize today that you need to commit your life to Jesus. And if that's you this morning, if you realize that you've been making a mockery of the blood of Jesus, you haven't been thinking about it, you're not focused on it, and you live your life as if it's not a big deal, but today the Spirit of God has spoke to you and you've realized that you need Jesus. The quietness of this room, if that's you, I just want to challenge you to make this prayer your prayer. And I believe the Spirit of God will save you today. Just confess to him this. Just say, God, I am a sinner. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sin. Forgive me of my sin 
Come into my life, Jesus. Save me today. I commit my life to you right here and right now. Help me to live for you today and to begin to prepare to live with you for eternity. If you prayed that prayer, I just wonder, would you just lift up your hand and say, Trent, I prayed that. Would you pray with me? I see you. I see one. I see two. Three. Anybody else? Four in the back. Praise God. Five. Anybody else? Six, seven, hands all over. Praise God. Church, would you praise God for these folks that just lifted? And this is the Spirit of God moving here today. For those that that lifted your hand, here's the deal. I want to ask you today, before you leave, matter of fact, here's the deal, and they don't even know I'm going to do this, because there were five or six of you. We're baptizing in the third service. If you want to go ahead and take that next step, and go ahead and get baptized here in about, oh, 20, 25 minutes. We've got clothes, towels. We keep closets stocked because people show up and accept Christ and we baptize them. If that's you today, then stick around. We'd love to do that with you and for you and your family here in the next service. Here's, here's what you need to do. Just when you leave and walk out these back doors, there's a room to your left called the Care and Prayer Room. We've got volunteers that are in there that will high-five you. They'll be so stoked and excited for the decision that you made today. Here's the reality, man. God is working in your life. Don't leave here today without telling your friend. Don't don't leave here today without telling your, your family member that you came today and said, yeah, man, did you see me? I lifted my hand because God's doing something in here. And I don't, I don't know all the answers yet, but I know something is is moving in me. And I believe it's God. And and and, and we believe your next step is baptism. And man, there's so much more to think about and to experience. The best days for you are to come. And we want to walk with you during that process. And so we hope you'll get connected. We hope you'll go to base camp. We hope you'll begin to have some relationships here in our church. And, and for you, at that the next step, prayer and care room. Talk to them, share with them. We're going to love on you today. Now, here's the other great thing. As a believer today, and for all the believers that are in the room, we're going to end the service with, Lord's, with the Lord's Supper. And so if our volunteers would go ahead and get in place and go ahead and walk down and and uh, get positioned. They're gonna they're gonna pass out you know the cups and they're kind of they're double stacked and so there's one with the bread, one with the juice. And Scripture tells us when we take the juice, when we take the bread, that we are remembering the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so we're called to repent of sin. We're, we're gonna have the band sing a song over us, and it's during that time that I want to encourage you to to confess sin to the Lord, reestablish some connections that maybe you've lost, and praise Him, thank Him for his sacrifice for you and then you take the bread you take the juice whenever you're ready and then we'll conclude the service but this is an important time for us and so I'm going to ask God's blessing as we continue to prepare Heavenly Father wow man I saw hands all over this room I'm so excited for them God I'm I'm sure there are some others that didn't lift their hand but that prayed that prayer God they want to experience a new birth today as well and, 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 and I believe that they have and so God would you just grow us and, and help us to take next steps of faith and next steps of, 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 of challenge from you God that we could experience more joy and more, more power more freedom in our life oh God your, your, your blood is the, is the precious blood that bought us back that redeemed us that, 
that saved us from sin, that saved us from the bondage of fear. God, fill us today as we close and as we worship you. We give you this time and this moment to speak to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.